You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Derek Bodner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the latest Sixers Beat, a proud member of the CLNS Media Network. We're recording this live from the Sixers training facility in Camden, New Jersey. The Sixers, of course, kicked off their preseason schedule Wednesday night with a 110-89 loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll continue that tonight against the Boston Celtics. We also have Joel Embiid, who is cleared for full court five-on-five play Thursday for the first time. He's joined by Timothy Luwalu Cabarro. So we'll get into that. Before we do, though, if you can, please leave us a five-star rating or a review. It helps us get out to a wider audience. Also, if you need any links to subscribe to the podcast, you know whether that's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you can get all of those links over at SixersBeat.com. But with that out of the way, Rich, how you doing? Not too bad, Derek. Basketball is finally back. It is. We have performances to discuss. It's been a long time. It's been a long... And granted, these are only marginally more meaningful than the summer league games we would have talked about a couple months ago. But that was still a couple months ago. Like we, we sat here and we wanted to nitpick a scrimmage at the Palestra. That's how bad it got. It is, a, it is great to be back. Yeah, and I mean, finally we get to see Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz on the floor together. And, uh, you know, two, two number one picks making their debuts on the same night. And uh, I think it's safe to say that one of them played a little better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, a tale of two performances. It really was quite drastic, the, the difference between the two. Um, and Brett, I mean, he, you know, he he stressed to us, he stressed to fans that they're rookies, but they're in two different places in their careers. That the year that Ben Simmons had to prepare for this was going to do him well, was going to serve him well. And that Markel Fultz, you know, he, he talked right from the jump where he feels these two competing interests, these two sides tugging at him, which is one, the expectations of potentially making the playoffs and the excitement that both the fans and the organization feel, but also with that competing interest of he has to develop Markel. And he specifically said, I have to grow Markel Fultz. He didn't say necessarily the same things about Ben Simmons. And the two kind of did show on Wednesday night. So I'd be interested to hear your take on this. How much of Ben looking so much further ahead? Obviously, you know, his jumper, I don't think he even took one the other night. That that looks like that's still going to take some work, but... Ben looks like he gets it already. He's he's out there. He he's flying. Like the NBA game does not look too big or too strong for him in a way that it frankly looked for Markel the other night. So I wonder what your take on this is because as you said, Brett attributed that to Ben's redshirt year, and as we saw with Joel a couple years ago, or last year, and and his two redshirt years, having that time in the NBA seems like it can be beneficial. You get all your uh, 19-year-old mistakes off the court, you, you get them out of the way, you understand travel, routine, you're working with the Sixers' weight staff. There, there's all of these things that it seems like that's advantageous. So how much of it do you think is simply that year? Uh, or, I mean, Ben is just a bigger guy, too. Do, do you think it's it's one or the other, or is it probably a little bit of both? Yeah, I mean, Ben's a bigger guy, but Ben was also a bigger guy, you know, 12 months ago when he would have been at the same stage with Markel. Uh, granted, I think, you know, Ben was a little bit old for a rookie and, and Markel's young for a rookie. So even at that point, they That's wouldn't true. have been a, an apples to apples. 
But yes, I think part of it is that Ben had that year to prepare. I think part of it that Ben is much more physically ready to compete at this level. He was at at 19. He probably or he was at 20. He probably was at 19 as well. And I think part of it, and I think this is a pretty small part. I think those are, are really the two big factors. But I think part of it is that Ben is playing the role that he's always played. You know, he's being put in a position where he's been able to succeed, where he's he's frankly best suited to succeed. And Markel's kind of learning a little bit on the fly. Now, again, we saw Markel, I mean, Brett came out and, and, and brought Markel off the bench in the second half, I think pretty specifically to put him back in a position he's comfortable with, and he still wasn't exactly killing it. So, I, I like I said, I think that's probably the lowest of the factors, but I think it's a, a combination of all three. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch. I mean, it's 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 the starting unit last night was basically the projected starters with Rashawn in Joel's place. Uh, and it, it is definitely an adjustment for Markel because – as we expected, Ben's going to guard fours, but he is legitimately going to play the one. He's going to bring up the ball pretty much all of the time. And uh, I don't have his stats in front of me. I'm not sure those stats are even correct with the uh, the glitch in the NBA's uh, stat system. N- nice job, Adam Silver. 2017, and we can't even get stats fucking right. So, so I, I'm not even going to bring up his stats, but Ben obviously didn't shoot particularly well the other night. I, I think in the... In the bullshit stats, it was nine assists to one turnover. So I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but it was roughly around that number. I, I got to say, he was wildly impressive to me running the floor. Like he just looked like he already can run an offense at a high level. And frankly, the Sixers, when he was out of the game, looked like they they really weren't running the offense the same way. But just, I mean, Ben in transition, you know, he threw three unbelievable passes early on and it was you know it was a lot of fun to watch whether it was the hit head pass over the top to Rashawn to Rashawn whether it was him sprinting down the floor and and dishing to JJ in transition there was a lot of good stuff from Ben yeah there really was and I mean look he didn't I don't think he made a shot after the first four or five minutes of the game he for as much as we're going to talk about Markel and his two and 13 or whatever it was since we can't rely on stats which is, is still blows my mind but you know, we talk a lot about Markel shooting two for 13. Well, Ben shot shot two for eight, and he didn't make a shot after the first, first four or five minutes. He missed a couple of really point-blank layups. He passed up some open jumpers. That is going to be a continual problem. But he is impacting the game in so many other ways that it really was an impressive performance. It probably was, you know, I think our expectations of what a rookie is is so skewed because of what Joel Embiid was able to do right from the jump last year. In fact, he came out, yeah, he only played 31 games, but he played 31 games where he was an impact player, which is insane for a guy making his NBA debut. But I think that's kind of warped what we expect from these kids. But I think in that vein, I think I think Ben came out and he was probably about as good as we could have expected. And that's even saying with the fact that he didn't make a shot after the first four minutes, the fact that he didn't you know, really take a jump shot and he's passing up those shots, his passing was at an elite level and his athleticism, you know, he he comes in the NBA and he's got two real elite skills. And I think leading up to the draft, a lot of people framed it as, oh, he's an elite passer for a big man. No bullshit. He's an elite passer, just period, full stop, end of story. And I do think he's going to end up being one of the best, you know, five passers or so in the game when he gets a little more experience. Like he's got vision and creativity that people just don't have and to combine that with that that speed and athleticism and ability to push the ball and see over a defense he's going to be fun to watch all year there's going to be games where he's not going to be effective individually scoring and that's probably going to be true for most of the season 
but he's going to be a blast to watch, and he's so clearly going to be the, the lead ball handler going forward. Yeah, it's not just that he can make these great passes. He can create these lanes right. fairly easily with his speed and ball handling and size. Like, And it's not just in transition either. The other night, he ran the same pick-and-roll play the Sixers run with this step-up ball screen with Rashawn, and he made like four different reads. It, like... To go from Sergio Rodriguez running this play to Ben, it it is a whole different level already. And as far as his expectations, I, I think the way I would put it is that Markel, I think his expectations should be of a general rookie. Like a he, he's a young player who is going to struggle. Joel is on the other side of the spectrum where obviously he, he couldn't play quite as much, but when he played, the expectations were pretty much sky high right away because you saw – this guy just impacts the game in a way that even 22-year-olds just just it doesn't really happen that much. Um, ben, I would say, is somewhere in the middle. He seems like, as Brett said the other night, an advanced rookie. And you know, he, some of the quotes about him the other night. I mean, David Fisdale was just wildly impressed with him. I think he was like, "I, I don't want to deal with that for 15 more years." And uh, you, you know, I. He it was it was a good debut for Ben and I, and obviously he didn't get a chance to play last year. Uh, I, I'm excited to see this. You know, I, I I was I'm not gonna lie, I was skeptical of of him as the point guard. I didn't know exactly how it was gonna work. I, I knew he was gonna be a good player in some form or another. I'm excited to watch him run the team. Like like this seems like this is gonna work in some some fashion. You know, I heard this on a radio and I I forget which host it was, so I apologize for that. But they said when he was on the court, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Well, in two weeks, we're going to have two players on the court that you can't take your eyes off of. And, you know, it's it's constantly going to be, oh, my God, did you see that? Did you see that? When you have Simmons and Embiid out there together, when you have them playing off of each other, when you have Simmons creating opportunities for Embiid, just watching those two learn to play off of each other should – I mean, it'll be a season unto itself. It'll it'll be great. All right, let's go on to the other end of the spectrum. Markel Fultz shot 2 for 13-ish, uh, 0 for 3-ish from, from three-point range. Really struggled at the rim. And I think – you know, I, I think my – Derek, Derek, I, I to, to question you for a second there, I'm not sure he shot any threes the other night. He definitely took one. He took one as the shot clock was going down. I forgot if the other two were just a, a, a screw up in the. Uh, I'm pretty sure they are. Were they? Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. I mean, yeah, this I'm, is. This I'm, is I'm, I'm reading right here off the box score. He shot over three from three. And this is real time stats messing up, I believe, because I'm okay. I'm pretty sure he didn't shoot three three threes. Yeah, the, the only one I can remember off the top of my head was was the one he took as, as I mean, and it was a heave as time expired. Like I don't think it was like a full court heave, but like the shot clock was running down, or it was. You know, and out of bounds at the end of a quarter or something like that, where he took it as time expired. That's the only one I remember off the top of my head. So I know he took at least one, but the fact that we can't we can't trust these stats is you're the fucking NBA. Fix it anyway. You know what else we can't trust right now? Markel Fultz's jumper. That's true. That's true. It looks like he can't either. Because when you say that, I only I don't remember any threes. One of my big takeaways was that I I remember him passing up a lot of open shots, just a lot of open shots, and that's not something he did at Washington last year. And you wonder if he has confidence in his jump shot, and it, it could go two ways. Maybe he changed his jump shot because he didn't have confidence in it, which would strike me as weird for a guy who made you know forty two percent or whatever from three and shot like 
43% on, on pull-up mid-range jumpers. It would be weird for a guy to have, not have confidence and then go and try to change his shot. Or if he doesn't have confidence because he changed his shot, and here we are two weeks to go until the regular season, and he's not ready. So I, I was at the Eagles game this weekend, and, and you watched the scrimmage live. But but I was able, thanks to the Sixers, they had the game on, I believe it was on Facebook, and I watched the, the scrimmage back. There were a couple possessions where Jared Bayless was guarding Markel Fultz like he was I – mean, I mean like, like Ben Simmons. Like yeah. he was playing – Six feet off of him when Markel Fultz had like a 15 foot jumper. I mean, he was guarding him like people used to guard Josh Smith when he was playing the three. Markel Fultz lived on those jumpers at Washington. This is one of the weirdest subplots I ever. And obviously, I think Pavorsky had a good video from that scrimmage. He had a good angle where you could see Markel's free throw and it. I mean, there's like a Barkley level hitch, yeah. In that. And when I mean Barkley, I mean his golf swing, not his not his basketball <laughs> shot. Like, well, oh, oh, hold on. If you haven't watched video of Charles Barkley playing golf, please go to YouTube. There's a half an hour of enjoyment right there. I I remember watching the uh, the special, the the Haney Project with Barkley. I, I never. That's. I, I feel bad for him. He, he seems like he works pretty hard on trying to change that shot. It's just it's so painful he does, every he, time. He goes back and forth to making fun of himself. And then also being visibly fresh. I think you're right. I think he, he really wanted to be good at golf, and it just it's not in the cards. I'd watch a documentary on, like, the athletes who uh, – I mean, Barkley, obviously, golf's just a hobby for him, but the athletes who get the yips. Yeah. Like, uh, remember Rick Ankiel, the pitcher, he yeah. couldn't throw strikes, and Chuck Knobloch. the outfield, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, which was amazing. And then, like, Chuck Knobloch and uh, I think there was somebody else, too. It, uh, oh, John Lester. He can't throw to first base, either. So hopefully, hopefully Markel's not at that level because the Sixers will be really screwed. But uh, well, remember, yeah, it, remember Iggy at one point went from a mid seventies free throw shooter to like low sixties, and it was just like overnight. Yeah, I don't know if that's a yips, but it was it was a similar phenomenon. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Markel, his his jump shot is not is not great right now, and and the other night he he didn't really take too many, so we I, I didn't get to see. That many in the game, he obviously took that one at the end of the shot clock. I, I'm not really going to make any snap judgments on the form there. I remember he missed a couple mid-rangers, too. Uh, yeah, he just, like, look, he, he played like crap the other night. I, I don't really think there's any other way to put it. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's a a long-term you know, outlook for him, that he's always going to play like crap. But, yeah, the expectations for him should be a lot lower than Simmons right away. Yeah, I, th- I think what I'll, I'll say, I had a couple of takeaways on Fultz's game rewatching it. And, uh, you know, first of all, I think he got to spots, which I think is, is kind of important because anytime you take that, that jump in competition, you wonder whether those moves that worked in college will, will, work, will work in the NBA. And I think he got to his spots. Even the layups he had, the shots at the rim he had, I think they were decent sh- looks. Like, I don't think there was – I didn't view it as – Here's a kid who can't finish over NBA length. Like I don't, I don't think it was necessarily a competition jump. I think he missed a lot of shots that he normally made, and whether or not that's just an off night, or whether that's maybe nerves, I don't know. But I think the shots he took, I'm comfortable with him making going forward. And the other thing I will say, and I went back and looked at some of these guys, guys like James Harden and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. You know, they came in the league, and usually they were older, usually about 20, and more athletic than Fultz, and they came in, you know, shooting like. 
47, 48, maybe low 50s at the rim. And then three or four years later, they're shooting mid 60s. So this is something where even the elite athletes, even the elite players, they struggle with early on. The fact that Markel Fultz is struggling isn't necessarily a surprise. Now, granted, there are, of course, people who come in the league and then can't overcome that. And we're going to have to, you know, if you have a concern about that, you're probably going to be concerned about that for a while because I do think Markel is going to struggle with that in his rookie season. But this is something people frequently overcome. Yeah, and and as you said, not an elite athlete, but the, the combination of that and the lack of strength he has right now, that, that's where he gets hurt because he was just getting bumped off his spot on drives. And hopefully, as he starts to, you know, as he starts to acclimate himself to NBA speed and get in the Sixers strength program, that'll hopefully get better. I thought on the and, and when he starts eating at the training facility that isn't feeding him Chick Fil A every day too. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, <laughs> I would lay off the waffle fries for a little bit, Mark Hale. Uh and maybe I mean like your whole NBA career. Did, did you see? Did I forget who I was talking to about this, but the the TJ, the video where Markel's like, "Hey TJ, there's some free Chick Fil A, or there's some Chick Fil A in there," and TJ's like, "I can't afford it." Markel's like, "What do you mean? You're an NBA p- player. How do you not afford? It? Like, I'll, I'll buy it for you. Like, it's or I think it was free. He's telling him it's free. He's like, no, like my body can't afford to eat that. And, and I think I think that's one of the things where Markel is going to have to grow up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, his, his, he he can't afford to eat it, but. If he wants to be a great player, he, he can't. Um, yeah, I thought on the rewatch, honestly, Fultz did some nicer things that, than what I saw live. As you said, he got to his spots. He had a couple of really nice spin moves where he either missed a layup. Uh, he made a couple of nice passes that his teammates just screwed up, whether that was Maz shooting three or Chris Humphreys getting his, his shot inhaled. Wait, and, and by the way, let's, you know, I know Fultz is more important. Can we discuss why is Chris Humphreys the most hated guy? He's just it, it's is it it's just the Kardashian thing? Fruit. And I think it's, I think it's almost maybe not just but about ninety percent the Kardashian thing. So I remember when that happened and he was a road player and he got booed everywhere. I think he played for the Nets at that yeah, point. Yep. Uh, and he got just absolutely killed in Philly. That's like that was five years ago, and, and he's getting booed like on the. On his first touch. Now, obviously, he didn't play well the other night, but, like, it's a preseason basketball game. I mean, he's a guy on a non-guaranteed contract. Right, it's a preseason basketball game for a guy fighting for the 15th roster spot. Like, you're not expecting world beater from him. And he seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a guy that teammates like. It, it's, I mean, look, I get that the Kardashian thing was very public. It was designed to be very public. And it, and he was clearly uncomfortable with it because he... Didn't get married to her. Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it, it seems like the statute of limitations on picking on him for the Kardashian thing should be up. Oh, poor guy. I mean, God, Emeka Okafor checked into the game, and I, I don't know, on the on the CSN broadcast, I don't think, I don't want to accuse Zoom off of this, but I could see an announcer being like, wow, Emeka Okafor got a nice hand because this is the first time he's played in four years. No, no, no. He was getting like a hero's welcome for the only fact that he was replacing Chris Humphreys. Which, by the way, Emeka Okafor has not been eating a whole lot of Chick-fil-A. That dude, he might be 35 and hasn't played in four years. He's ripped. I'm very impressed with the shape he came in, which probably shouldn't surprise me. He's, like, he's never been a guy who's been overweight or out of shape. But for having that kind of layoff, he looks, he looks I mean, he looks, I'm not going to say he looks good because he's still, you know, he's still at, he never had a high skill level to begin with in terms of at least offensive skill level. But physically, he looks like an NBA player. Yeah, so so that, that that was pretty much it. I mean, Fultz's night, you know, I, I think it, it it wasn't good, but I mean, we're recording us on a Friday. I'm I'm not sure when it'll post. 
would I be stunned if against Kyrie Irving, if he plays tonight, who's not a very good defender, if Fultz made some nice moves and, and had a decent offensive game? No, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I will say a lot of people, they love to focus in on his facial expressions, his body language, and whether or not he gave effort or was too lackadaisical. Like he had the same facial expressions Wednesday night that he had in high school when he was one of the best players in the country, that he had when he was dropping 23-6-6 six, six on the Pac-12, and the same facial expressions he's going to have in you know two or three weeks when he drops 25 in a game. That's just the way he carries himself. He doesn't emote on his face. He doesn't show emotion on his face, really. That's who he is. Like Our ability to read body language sucks and stop it. The only body language that you should be reading is Joel Embiid's because it's fun to read. That, <laughs> right. that, that's the only thing. No, if if Markel Fultz is – if he has the ball in, you know, game two of the finals when the Sixers are up by 30 in a few years, guess what? You're not seeing much emotion from him. Yeah. What did you think about his defense? Uh, I mean, he, he seemed impressed by it, but, you know, I, I thought he actually – he tried pretty hard. He wasn't uh, in terms of – all of the Sixers, the Sixers defense was terrible yeah. individually, uh, which, you know, tends to happen when Joel Embiid's not playing and right. Rashawn Holmes and Chris Humphreys are your big guys. Uh, I, I didn't think his defense was more of a problem than anybody else's on the team. I'll yeah. put it that way. I will say the one thing I was impressed by, I thought he, he did a good job fighting over screens, yeah. which you didn't really see all that much at Washington. And you wonder whether with the, the lower usage rate and less responsibility he'll be better at. And also just the fact that Brett Brown's going to be in his ear every freaking day about it. He That's the one part where I said, hey, that was something I wasn't expected. That was a positive takeaway from a you know a kid who had an overall rough first outing. Yeah, I thought he gave pretty good effort in terms of that. Well, you know, I thought, I mean, Rashawn's defense against Brandon Wright was very bad. I thought Cov, you know, I'm not saying Cov's a bad defensive player. He's a very good defensive player. He didn't have a good night. Him and Reddick had some some poor switches. Everybody up and down the lineup just got attacked by the Grizzlies. It wasn't their best game. And uh, Brett yesterday, I'm you know we'll see if uh, if he was making excuses here. But to, to lead in to our next discussion, he said that with Joel only playing half court five on five, they couldn't get up and down in the in practice in the way that they they could in a game. Now, we'll see if that translates now that he is playing 5-on-5. Five five. I would suspect, you know, it's going to make them better. Joe Embiid playing. Yeah, no, that helps. Hang on right there, Rich. We'll get into that in a second. But first, this episode is sponsored by Greats, makers of classic, stylish, and comfortable sneakers sold at a great price. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker company with classic styles made the best for less. Greats has a wide selection of men's and women's shoes and versatile styles suitable for any occasion. I received my first pair of Greats recently and they're among the most comfortable pair of shoes that I own with stylish, attractive Italian leather at an affordable price. I know Max and Kyle, two huge shoe aficionados, were very excited about the sponsorship opportunity and I can see why thanks to Greats' great selection. And we've got a special deal for our audience. Save 15% on your first order with our offer code SIXERSBEAT. Go to greats.com, that's G-R-E-A-T-S dot com, and be sure to enter Sixers Beat to save 15% at checkout. Greats believe so much in their shoes, they offer a no-risk return and exchange policy to guarantee that you get the right fit and style that you love. That's greats.com, and use our promo code SIXERSBEAT and save 15%. All right, uh, going back to Joel. It was interesting that Brett mentioned, you know, the last week, basically, which was only about two practices, but the last week, he I think he got bumped up to half-court five-on-five last Thursday, and when Brett said this, it was yesterday, Thursday. But there were 
you know, only a few. I know they had Saturday off and Sunday they had the scrimmage and they had the game Wednesday. So we're really only talking about Monday and Tuesday practices. But it was interesting they said, look, we geared our practices towards Joel's availability and what he could do. So we really focused on half court those two days and it hurt him. And it, it did hurt him in transition. It seemed like they really struggled to get back. But now you have Joel, it seems like, I don't want to say on the precipice of playing, but it seems like it seems like a game or two in the preseason is realistic. And it seems like this slow progression, as we've been talking about, was planned. Because Joel said yesterday, I mean, he was asked right away, hey, how did it feel when you get the, got the news that you were going to play some full court 5 like, yeah, I, I kind of knew a week ago that this was happening. So, yeah, I think, I think the cautious plan is what the Sixers were following here. Uh, you know, it was good to see him out there. I, I know there was... Uh, there was like a general feel that he was dominating that practice yesterday, and maybe he was when we weren't watching. But you know, he, he, I don't think I would say that. But it's just good to see him out there, and and we obviously know his skill level by now. Um, yeah, we, and we I, don't have to convince anyone listening to this podcast that Joel Embiid's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he, you know, it was good to see him firing firing threes and fouling people and and blocking shots. Yeah, it, it was definitely. Definitely good to see, and yeah, now they're running full court. As far as... Uh, it was interesting at one point, you saw Joel at the three-point line making a post-entry pass to ostensibly your point guard in Ben Simmons. Uh, unique roster construction, that's for sure. Yeah. What did you think of uh, of the video of Joel running down uh, <laughs> down the streets of Philadelphia? I mean, he, he really is like one of a kind. Yeah, and playing playing tennis, as he called himself, the Black Roger Federer. <laughs> and I think that, that a lot of people were concerned about that because of, let's be honest, it's because of Bynum and, and bowling. And they don't want to see <laughs> their injured athletes playing other sports. And tennis isn't necessarily, like, long-term tennis play can be a little tough on your knees. Oh, yeah. Feet. <laughs> but Joel wasn't exactly, he wasn't playing high-level tennis out there. Like, he was, his serve, I mean... I'm not sure I could return and serve. His serve looked good, but they weren't. There weren't necessarily the hard cuts and the pivots that would really lead to any kind of damage. Like it, if he's going to use that to get his heart rate up and get, you know, get himself back in a little bit of physical condition. I mean, look, he's not going to get in the game shape until he's running up and down something where he's really exerting himself. I don't have a huge problem with it, but it was very Joel Embiid and doing it. And I think he had his what Sixers shorts on and stuff. I mean, this is a guy who at one point went to a bar in his jersey. He's he connects and he knows he connects and it's fun. He's uh he's not exactly baselining like like Rafa Nadal uh r- running down balls uh yeah he uh it, you know it was some people were worried <laughs> well I, I wouldn't say some people I'd say Brett brought up like the cobblestones or whatever and I, I could tell I'm sure he was probably a little worried about that because in that area of the city in yeah. Center City the the streets, some of the sidewalks are cobblestones on Pine Street there. Yep. Uh, I, I used to live right in that. I used to live right on a 20th, right up, right at Manning Cross Section. Not not the greatest paved roads. That, that's for sure. That's for no. Sure. Uh, and I know there was some, some debate over whether this was staged, and it's not. Like, basically, Joe Embiid, like, I think he realized I, – I don't even think – he understands marketing at this point just because like he's like whatever I do people are going to absolutely eat up and this was one of those things but yeah like you know clearly if if he's running down the streets of Philadelphia guess what somebody's going to recognize him (laughs) yeah he doesn't 
I know there was one story with TJ at one point where he was getting his, I think it was his haircut in like, you know, Liberty Place or something, and nobody walked up to him, and he just like walked in, got a haircut, yeah. walked out, and like somebody was, saw him. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Oh, that was you. I, I didn't even remember that was you. Um, that doesn't happen with Joel Embiid. No. That doesn't. You can't. You can't hide seven two. You can't hide seven. So, so what do you think? Obviously, he said that he wants to play in a preseason game. He thinks he's going to play in a preseason game. Do you think we'll get we'll get it? I mean, he's not going to play tonight against the Celtics for yeah, sure. Yeah, he already ruled that out. Uh, but it, you know, I, I guess this is a good question. Now we get to ask, uh, how much? Like, let, let's say he's available for all three games next week. If you know, in, in some capacity or another, how much would you like to see him play? You know, I guess real quick before we get to that, it really does look like what they said about this being a, a planned progression to sustainable on court or whatever nonsense at the that luncheon. It does seem like that was very much the case. And on the one hand, the initial reaction from fans, and myself included, why couldn't you just tell us? Why couldn't you say, okay, look, he hasn't played 5-on-5 five five yet. We're going to try to ramp him up to that by the end of camp. Maybe maybe have a step of half court in there. See how his body responds. See how, how, how everything works out. And then try to ramp up his fitness base because, hey, by the way, when you're fatigued, you're more likely to get re-injured. Why, why couldn't they just say that? And I get it, because then if that doesn't happen as planned, then they have to answer for it. And they don't want to have to answer for why it didn't ramp up as quickly as they expected. But man, did they cause a lot of panic in the Philadelphia area just because of, of that vague nonsense. It was the fact that there was nothing wrong with him almost. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great. And I'm happy that it looks like he's going to be happy for, or I'm happy that it looks like he's going to be ready for opening night. But it almost makes me more annoyed that they couldn't just be a little more truthful. Not that you have to give every detail, but just, look, we want to increase his fitness base and slowly ramp him up. That would have been a much better answer than whatever Colangelo gave. It was it was certainly unclear, and, and I will say the uh, the takes and the news and even our podcast from a couple weeks ago haven't aged that, that well, I'd say. Even, even if we, we did give the disclaimer that maybe this was going to be the way it turned out. But there was, there was certainly some panic. Uh, not just locally, but nationally. Sure, but I mean, th- I think that was kind of our biggest point from a couple of weeks ago is when you give so little information, people fill in the details. It was, uh, a- anyway, looks like Joel's fine. Looks like there's nothing wrong with his knee. Looks like it's just getting building up his fitness base. And I do think if he's playing five on five now, you know, maybe, let's say what, they have a game Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. Maybe Wednesday's game he plays 10 minutes, Friday's game 16. I'd be fine with that if that's what it came to. That would be excellent because I I am a little wary of just throwing him out there for the first time in the regular season. Like opening night is intense, man. Like people people try hard. The Wizards are going to be, you know, that game's on national TV. Like there's going to be a they're fighting a, for a top four seed, man. They're, yeah, they're coming out. There's going to be a decent level of intensity. This is not a run of the mill February game against a mid tier team and a tanking team. Like these are two teams that want to make the playoffs. Obviously the Wizards have higher aspirations this year. I'd be a little wary of throwing him out there cold turkey there. And uh it would be good to see him yeah, I, I guess who are they playing? The Nets on Wednesday and uh then the Heat in uh they're both in weird places. I think the Nets game is in uh like the Islanders arena. Yeah. Well, I know Boston's then, Monday, right? Yeah. And then I think you're right. I think it's the Nets and then the Heat. And then the Heat game is in Kansas, Kansas City. <laughs> uh, that's weird. Why, why Why do they do that? I don't know. Is I mean, it, they, they've done this before. Remember, didn't they go up to, like, Syracuse last year or two years ago or something like that? Like, they, they, they put 
preseason games in not neutral locations, but maybe different locations, maybe to try to build a market. I don't know. Is it what Kyle said, just because he went to Kansas and there's, you know, it's a fairly short drive from Lawrence? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's weird. All right, I'm putting that out there. Uh, yeah, but but I would like to see him play, you know, ten to fifteen minutes in two of those games. That would and be he good. Came, he came out right away and he said I I would like to play. I think it would do do me good to play. Like he said that, you know, he was asked directly, would you would you be okay if you your first playing was in the the regular season? He said no, I think I'd be better off if I came out and I got into a, a rhythm in the preseason, got into the you know speed and the flow of the game. He wants to play. If he's playing five on five, uh, to me, I'm not going to say he's going to play, but it, it seems like there's a, a pretty good chance at this point. You know what I want to see more than anything? I want to see him get a preseason assist, which he still, <laughs> which he still does not have. I, I know he had a kind of a fake one against the Heat last year. I'm not counting that. He had, he, he had, but it was, it was like we're seeing now. Bookkeeping error. Yeah, a lot of, a lot, a lot of bookkeeping bugs in the NBA apparently. Um. Any other real takes from from JJ? Obviously, looked good on offense. Struggled a little bit on defense. Cove, kind of the same thing. I thought his shot selection to start was a little questionable, but he he brought it back. Cove kind of has a a preseason shot selection that he's in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like seeing the Sixers break out of their offense a little bit and run some plays for JJ. I'm sure that's going to be fun to watch. He had a nice uh, nice four point play at one point. Um, you, you could see too. Uh, you know, Oak Four had a nice game, and he had a nice little stretch in the second quarter where he made some nice face-up drives. And, and more than offering a take on Oak Four, and by the way, the timeline the other night, the takes were just all over the place. It was, God, it was, it was like we never left. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he made a couple really nice face-up drives though, and I believe the lineup he was playing with was TJ Redick Stauskas. And Covington, and obviously TJ is not a great shooter, but TJ was finding a way to move and you know keep himself occupied. And with those other three guys, you could just see like Ja was like, "Oh, I have a lot of space to operate right now with the high post." Like he was basically standing at the free throw line, and there was nobody below him. Everybody else was, you know, their defenders were hugging him, hugging hugging the the Sixers on the on the perimeter. And I think like you know they're gonna run a lot of stuff where J.J.'s the guy spacing the floor on the other side and just put, you know, either Ben or Joel on the post and just put so many de- help defenders who are guarding J.J. in just a terrible spot where where either you help on the, you know, the, the young guy. Maybe it's Ben with a mismatch against a point guard or just Joel against anybody. Or you leave J.J. and the decision's terrible either way. Yeah. No, Joel looked good. And I, I'm still a huge skeptic of whether that's going to continue. But the space helped him a lot, and he did seem like he was a little bit more engaged defensively. Like I didn't, I thought he was better defensively than Rashawn. Oh, the other by night. far, it wasn't even close. And you know, part of that, I think, I think Ja did a better job of. I, I tweeted this out, but if you could, which I don't know why I say if you tweet it out, like it, it's going to ruin anyone's day if they hear it twice. But if you could chart like the number of possessions where he's off the ball and he has his eyes up serving the floor. I felt like that was one of the better games we've seen in his now two-plus seasons of play. He still is a huge liability in the pick-and-roll, and even with his slender frame, he doesn't change direction all that well. But if he's surveying the floor and processing the information better, and I'm not talking like an Embiid level better, but just better than he's been over the you know over at Duke in the, his first few years of his career, 
that's progress. And I don't know how far that progress is going to get us. I still have to see it on a much more consistent basis. But I was happy with his play. And the other thing I'd say real quick is that you you mentioned up off-ball and, and the lineups. You know, Covington, I think, and I can't trust anything, but I think he had two made three-pointers from the corners. And this is a dude who had, I think, 8% of his attempts were from the corners last year. He didn't necessarily make them at a great rate, but he barely shot them. And just the fact that you have a guy like like Simmons who can push the ball in transition, cause that kind of rotation down to stop him and kick it out. And these aren't high-level passes, but just the fact that he can force a rotation, I really think that's going to be huge for Cove. That was one of Fultz's nicest plays. Simmons threw it ahead to him in transition, and he hit Cove with a with a bounce pass, and Cove Cove had a wide open three in the corner. So like yeah, like like Fultz made some nice plays too. Uh, which ah uh, yeah, he, he's not going to get you know this this vegan diet. It's not going to make him any quicker. He's not going to be blowing by guys on uh, on the perimeter. Like he's still got the same moves. He's still got the the left handed dribble spin back to his right, which like. You know, sometimes it was effective, and and the other night it was too. But the hope with him is that, with his defensive awareness and just God, just keeping his cardio up, and, he becomes better. Consistently give a shit. Yeah, and shit. and to give a shit, you have to be in decent shape, and hopefully that's you know, hopefully this is step one in doing that. Yeah. All right, I think that's probably about all that I have. Again tonight, what do we have? We have Dario out. Uh, TLC is out, Embiid's out, and then you have Amir is probable. He's probable. Um, Cove was Cove's probable. Dealing with something, but he, yeah, Markel's probable. probable shoulder soreness. I do worry a little bit that with this condensed schedule, I mean, you've got between now and next Friday, you've got what four games four in games. seven days. I worry that that is going to you're going to see a lot of these where guys who don't have any major injuries, but they're still going to sit. And I worry about practice time. You know, yesterday, Markel didn't practice. Amir didn't practice. Cub didn't practice. Like, I worry how much you're going to be able to get out of this portion of the schedule because, I mean, look, extending out the regular season and limiting back-to-backs and eliminating four and fives are gone completely. I forget. I, I think I, they're gone completely. I think they're gone, yeah. That was important. That's something the NBA has to do. I do worry if it's going to have some teams It's you know become kind of like the NFL preseason where the first two, three, four weeks of the season, you're just getting these crazy freaking results because nobody's really prepared for the season. I worry about that a little bit, but we do have a lot of at least game action to talk about coming up. That would be good for the Sixers maybe because you know, there's going to be a lot of tough games in that first stretch, so maybe they'd be able to at least sneak in some wins that they, they might not be able to get later in the year. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe, maybe this young team that Brett really needs this time for is going to be hurting. <laughs> or maybe they lose by 60, too. Yeah. You go, you go the other um, all right, I think that's probably a good place to cut it off. Thanks again, Rich, for jumping on. Uh, once again, head on over to SixersBeat.com, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks to Greats for sponsoring the podcast, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm in. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Check it right to death, breathing a sniper breath. I exhale the yellow smoke up through righteous steps.